Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And we're happy to have you around the cafe table with us today. And Lou, this uh, morning I was in the uh, book of John in the Bible, and I came across a character, and I know these are real people in the Bible, but I love calling them characters in my mind. Uh, I think it's because I have a, a fiction writer piece to my mind. But so I come across this character, Thomas, we don't call him Thomas. We call him Mm-mm. Doubting Thomas, right? Yep. Like that's right. his name, only that's not his name. Uh, it's like it's his nickname. Like some people get to be Skippy and he gets to be Doubting Thomas. <laughs> uh, but, so I was looking at that this morning. Um, my husband has like a thousand nicknames for me. Uh, he really, truly does. Uh, he rarely even calls me by my name. But um, I thought, what would it be like to have your nickname be <laughs> Doubting Thomas? What struck me is Thomas, yes, he, he lived as one of Jesus' 12 apostles, but uh, he had this moment of doubt, right? And, and as the, the story unfolds, as Jesus is um, resurrected from the grave and he appears before several of the apostles, but Thomas was not with them. And so then his friends are telling him, hey, we just saw Jesus. Now this is, you know, Thomas is a couple of days after Thomas saw him crucified. Um, and, and, and laid to rest in a tomb, and Thomas doesn't believe them. You know, he's like, I think you might be hysterical. I think you might be dreaming. I think you might be hallucinating. I, I think you should just have some more casserole and then perhaps take a nap because you're seeing things, you know? Right, right. So based on that one, you know, one moment in Thomas's life, he winds up with this nickname that follows him forever. It's like this one little piece of his life that he gets forever cast as the character, the doubter. But in fact, you know, when Jesus was telling them um, to, that, that he was going to die and, and, and before he was, you know, crucified, um, in John 11, verse 16, Thomas is the one who basically gives, gives voice to what many of them were probably feeling or thinking. Thomas says, let's go to and die with Jesus. Right, but nobody believe, nobody remembers that. Right, so he has like uh, he had moments of intense faith, and he also had this moment of doubt in his story, and it just kind of settled into my brain this morning at how he got labeled based on his one you know one time of doubt, his one slip on the rock, his very human foible, um, and I wonder, Lou, if we don't often get. Um, we kind of give ourselves nicknames in our own mind when something like that happens to us. You know, oh, I'm such a loser. Oh, I'm such a dingbat. Oh, I'm such an airhead. Whatever it might Mm. be, you know, based on one point in time when maybe we exuded some characteristics that weren't what we wished. Well, I think that we all have a tendency to do that. And maybe it's not with things from way back in our past, but it's things that we did yesterday. You know, because we then assume that our character, uh, since we were labeled as being a dingbat when years ago we did something crazy, that's our default. That's the, That then becomes the thing that we go to over and over 
uh, whenever we make a mistake, whenever we fumble or stumble, that's what we tend to do. And we do that with other people too. And, you know, I don't know if you have watched the new television show, This Is Us. I've heard about it. Yeah, I hear it's great, but I've not seen it. Well, here's why I think the show is so popular. This is just Luann's reasoning behind it. It shows the backstory of these folks. Like when you start the the show, these triplets are all 36 years old. But it reverts back and starts showing you clips from their birth. And then all the way through their life, and it explains the backstory of why maybe the daughter now overeats and why the son has an addiction problem. And so when you see the backstory of someone, then all of a sudden you start saying, okay, that doesn't really define them. That's just something that happened in their life and now it's causing them some issues and i think the reason it's so popular is because every single one of us can relate to that and we kind of look at that story and we say wow if somebody just knew my backstory without judging me for it maybe i could be different and so it just kind of gives you permission to look at the backstory and and when you talk about doubting Thomas. I feel bad for the guy, honestly. I do. I'm like, oh, give him a break because from then on, he got it. And when he said, oh, my Lord, my Savior, when when Jesus convinced him, nope, it's really me, nobody remembers that. They just label him. And I think we all do it, not just to others, but to ourselves. Jesus did not seem to take issue with his doubt. Uh, Jesus came to him, right? Appeared to him and and held out his hands and, and didn't really, you know, it wasn't, uh, I'm sorry, you're fired. You can no longer be a disciple. Right. Uh, you know, he's like, here, look, look, you need proof. I know you want proof. I know you're struggling to believe what you're, you know, what you've never seen before in your entire life, which is someone raised, you know, uh, from from the dead three days after crucifixion. Here, put your hands, you know, right here on the wounds on my on my hands. Look at the wounds on my side. It's me, the one you saw on the cross. And Jesus was patient with that. And I think sometimes doubt, sometimes doubt gets a bad rap. Jesus does not seem to reject doubts that are honest and that are directed towards belief and not towards um, sort of scoffing, mocking, rejecting, but just a, uh, I'm struggling to believe this. Um, You know, I think of the story where the centurion, I think it's a centurion who comes to Jesus and has a, a, a sick child who has not been able to get well, and he says to Jesus, you know, I, I do think that if you, this you're a great healer, man, I think if you would uh, say the word, my child would be healed. And, and Jesus says, do you believe that I will do that? And, and his response to Jesus was, I believe help my unbelief. Absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's, I'm struggling to believe I'm trying to, but there is some doubt there. Jesus, you know, heals the boy, speaks the word. That was enough. So 
um, this idea that we're never going to have any moments of doubt, and that if we do, we're you know we're we're moved to um, God's naughty category, as if He has a list like Santa of you know naughty and nice or something, is is just not what I see in Scripture. But nonetheless, Thomas, for his one uh, moment there of having a hard time believing, uh, gets gets that label. Well, don't you wonder? And I would just like for everybody around the table today to think about this. Don't you wonder if it were us, if this is us, uh, that we're the ones that were in the story and people were running up to us and saying, hey, guess what? We just saw Jesus and we had witnessed the crucifixion. Don't you wonder if we would have reacted the same way? Oh, I I think I might have. I really truly think I might have. Um, because Jesus had told them in the past, you know, he, he told them several times. He tried to tell them what was coming, trying to prepare them for it. But they didn't, they could not, they couldn't understand. And he, and Jesus would say things like, I'm going to go away for a little while. I, I won't be, it, you know, a time is going to come soon when I will no longer be with you. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't to me, from what I see in the scriptures, a, a real clear, hey guys, in 14 days, they're going to kill me and put me on a cross and then they're going to put me in a t- in a tomb and three days after that God's going to raise me to life and I'm going to walk around like a real life person even though I was dead on the cross three days before like he wasn't that explicit about it I would probably doubt too because you know they all clearly knew something was up something was coming something was changing but they didn't have any framework to, to kind of hang what was happening on And I want to pull something out of what you just said, because so often we want God to give us that roadmap complete and tell us, okay, God, I know that I don't understand what's happening, but could you just spell it out for me uh, word by word and day by day? And he doesn't work that way. And all the guys that were with him really had never been without him. They only knew him as their Lord and Savior as he walked among them. So for Thomas to doubt uh, was a totally normal thing. And for you and I to doubt, it's a normal thing. When we're like, oh, help me, Lord, in my unbelief, we all fall into those categories. And I even think about Peter. When Peter jumped out of the boat, took off walking toward Jesus when he was on the water, He was full of, okay, let's do this. And then he started to doubt. Oh my gosh, I'm doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, we're really doing this. (laughs) And that's when he started to sink. But, you know, we don't look at Peter as the guy who sunk in the water. We look at him because Jesus called him the rock. We look at him as the rock. The solid he one. He got the good nickname. He got the good nickname. <laughs> Poor Thomas. I you know, know. It, what's it, what's interesting to me is even in th- in the scriptures in Thomas, when 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 it talks about um, in the book of John, uh, along about chapter twenty or so, when it talks about his encounter with Jesus and you know not believing and, and Jesus saying here, um, you know, he's look at my hands, look at my side. But it says that one of the s- disciples, Thomas nicknamed the twin was not with the others when Jesus first came to them. Um, So he already had a nickname for whatever reason, his 
nickname was The Twin, and that got changed to, now The Twin doesn't sound like a great nickname to me, not like The Rock, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, nonetheless, I think I'd rather be The Twin than Doubting Rachel. <laughs> what we want to talk about today is that we are not our backstory. When Jesus comes into our life and says, you are mine. And I want to be your Lord and Savior. When that happens, he takes up residency inside. And all of a sudden, what does it say? He forgives us of our past. And we are new creations. So we are no longer our backstory. But sometimes those labels stick. In a sense... We are our backstory, and in a sense, we are not. Our future doesn't have to be our backstory, but we have to submit um, to to the power of change, to the power of transfer, transformation, to the power of sanctification. Um, we have to renew our minds. Our backstory will become our future if we don't. Um, I guess, submit to that sanctification process um, and see that this isn't who we have to be. This isn't who we permanently are. You know, I also think about all the folks in the Bible that it's so easy to look at them and say, well, of course, why didn't you get that, uh, Doubting Thomas? Because we know the whole story. And it's just like the woman at the well. Now, we never call her the woman who was the first evangelist or missionary who ran into town to tell people about Jesus, we don't refer to her that way. We just call her the woman at the well, which means here's the lady who's been married a whole bunch of times and she keeps messing up. And we never look at her backstory like you can on the TV show, This Is Us. You maybe don't know that maybe when she was a kid, something horrific happened to her which caused her to make bad decisions because she didn't have confidence in who she was. And all of a sudden, she, she just keeps repeating the same behavior over and over, and then she's labeled as the woman at the well until Jesus comes along. And when Jesus comes along, he changes everything, and he gives her the living water, and, and she's so excited about it that she runs and tells people, now, from that point on, I mean, the people in the village did not ever want to associate with her. They didn't walk to the well with her. They didn't make her feel welcome when she was going to the well before. But from this point, she had such good news to share about Jesus that they evidently listened because they said, okay, now we believe not because of what you've said, but because we've seen for ourselves. But they at least listened to her, and she now had a new story. Oh, and you know what I love in her story? When she leaves the, the well in her encounter with Jesus, and she goes back to the town where she's not the most popular person and doesn't have the highest reputation, what she says to them in Scripture, it tells us what she says is, Come and see this man who's told me everything I ever did. Yeah. So she's like, come and see this, this man I just met who knows my entire backstory. Exactly. How is that possible? <laughs> 
How is that possible? You got to come see this. You, he'll probably know your he'll probably know your whole backstory too. You got to come see this. Right, you know, right. And that's the thing, you know, Jesus, you know, God, he knows our whole backstory. When something bad happens, somebody does something bad, or whether it's a character on the TV show or, you know, a, a character from the, from the Bible, and they're real people, they're not characters, <laughs> but, um, or, or a character on the news that we hear about, um, you know, when it's like when we hear their backstory and we understand their motive or the rationale or what led them to do that, it's kind of easier to understand them and forgive them. When we hear of a, like an act of violence that happens on the news, we want to know the motive. Um, and when it's just, when, when we're unable to figure out why someone did this horrific thing, it's almost harder for us to handle. It's like you said, we want to make sense of it. We need to know the backstory so we can at least understand what led to this. We have real trouble when something seems like senseless or random. It's easier to sort of forgive someone when you can at least understand what the thought process was that led them to this to this sin. And God knows all of our backstories, you know? It's it's uh, sometimes I think easier for God to understand us and forgive us than it is for us to understand and forgive one another simply because we don't know their backstory. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It tells us that in scripture. But I love this little thing that says Sin takes you farther than you want to go, it keeps you longer than you want to stay, and it costs you more than you want to pay. And so often in life, like the woman at the well, or like any of the, the folks that we see, I mean, I think about uh, the man who was healed on the mat, and Jesus told him to get up and walk, and then later sees him and says, stop sinning. Or something worse might happen to you. So, you know, even when we're healed and we move forward in our life, we have choices then to make every single day to go, okay, I don't want to relive my backstory. I don't want that to define me anymore. And I'm going to rise up and do the things that will give me purpose, that will allow me to live the life that God has in store for me because. I want to live this thing that's called a new creation inside me. And and it's easy. It's easy at times when we do trip and we stumble and we do that same thing that that besetting sin as they call it in the Bible, that same thing that trips us up. You know, Satan knows how to come at us. And he knows that we're our own worst enemy. That if he can just tempt us, then all of a sudden we just throw in the towel and say, yep, I'm Thomas the Doubter. Yep, I'm the woman at the well. What did I ever think I could do for Jesus? And Jesus is the one that says, wait a minute. When, when Peter started sinking in the water, what did he do? He, he said, oh, you have little faith. You know, but he reached out and he held him and he, and he rescued him. And when Thomas was doubting, he didn't slam him against the wall. He said, oh, here, look, touch my hands. And when you mess up and when I mess up, if we just say, Jesus, help me with this issue right now. Help me with my backstory label that I'm wanting to crawl back to. He'll do it. He's longing for us to reach out and say, ooh, I'm getting close to 
repeating some old mistakes. Sometimes when we uh, manage to shake that label, um, shake that nickname, and, and move forward and live differently, sometimes, though, there are people in our lives that aren't with us day to day. And they sort of knew us back when we were doubting Thomas. <laughs> and they might still hold that view of us. And we can't let that shake us. Sometimes that can shake us. You know, I'm going to tell you this. When I, I have two older brothers. My bro both my brothers are significantly older than I am. And um, when I grew, was growing up, I loved Winnie the Pooh. That was my favorite cartoon, uh, my favorite storybook character. And so my family, I don't know who initially gave me the nickname, but my family began to call me um, Rachie Pooh. <laughs> that's, what, that's what my mom would call me, Rachie Pooh. Um, I, I, I had several nicknames based around this. Pooh, they, sometimes they would just call me Pooh Bear. Sometimes they would call me Pooh Girl. Um, because I was just such a Winnie the Pooh fanatic. And my oldest brother, Jeff, would just shorten that down because big, long nicknames, you know, they get a mouthful to say. So Jeff would just shorten that down and call me Pooh. <laughs> so, um, and Jeff went to college while I was still in elementary school. So, like, like he left home. His memories of me, you know, by and large sort of froze with me at, like, age five or six when I was Rachie Poo and, and Poo Girl and, and all of this stuff. Um, and to this day, my brother will call me simply Poo. <laughs> um, and nobody has any reference for that. So, you know, nobody has a reference that it's tying to Winnie the Pooh <laughs> and a childhood character. And it's just like, you know, we could be at a restaurant and he'll say they're right in front of the waitress. Hey, Pooh, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's, it's endearing that he still calls me that. But it's also kind of, you know, makes people's uh, you know, heads turn. It doesn't sound very flattering. Although for him, I know it's in a term of endearment. But anyway, just to say that sometimes we get frozen in some people's minds as, as our backstory mm. or as who we were. And we can't let their labels um, uh, shake us or, or pull us back there. We are new creations in Christ. Absolutely. I love that story because I bet we all have friends and relatives from our past who knew us when. And I even had, when I started speaking uh, years ago, I had some of my relatives that knew me in my wilder days of youth say, who are you to be speaking? And I said, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And God wants me to share that story that we've all sinned. And, and as hard as it was for my own family to say that to me, it was also how God was uh, strengthening, me, strengthening me to be able to stand up and tell my story. Because when we are bold enough to say, yep, I was that label at one point in my life, but that's not me anymore. And here's how the change happened. Hey friend, I don't know today what label the world has given you. I don't know what you give yourself, but here's the truth. You are not your backstory going forward. You have a choice to make every single day. And Jesus says, take my hand. You don't have to do this alone. Hey, this week, I pray that you will 
As Rachel told me years ago, inhabit your worth. And may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here later. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at encouragementcafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time. Are you looking for a way to maybe spruce up your quiet time? We've got something for you. If you just simply visit us online at encouragementcafe.com for a gift of any amount to the ministry, you'll get a awesome devotional coloring book. I've used this myself. It just slows the mind and the heart down and uh, helps me to focus in on God as I meditate on the truths within. So visit our website for a donation of any amount and infuse your quiet time with a little color.